Welcome back to the Mammoth Show. This is your host, Rohit. Today we have David, the licensed insurance advisor. Thank you, David, for getting into the show. Well, thanks for having me. Awesome. So would you just like to give a quick intro about yourself, like how you got started with the insurance advisory and the financial advisory of yours? Uh, sure. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of, um, I mean, it's a long story, but I'll try to condense it and make it shorter. Um, so um, I think I had always kind of been interested in, but not necessarily insurance or financial planning, mm-hmm. but uh always interested in like how banks and financial companies like they're very like I always thought of them kind of like black boxes like people send them money and then yeah. at some point they somehow are making all this money and then they you know, it comes back out and then people miss like somebody's making money somewhere and then there's like very wealthy people who do this stuff and then you know most people don't really understand it and I was just always fascinated by that idea of of like there's companies out there and they're like all they do is make money that's what they do and they don't like and from the outside looking in it just it doesn't look like they're making anything it just like they're just like money machines like companies that just make money somehow you know like doing stuff and so that fat like that was fascinating to me and i wanted to learn more about it um when i got into the business uh, i was uh, approached by a company who you know it was a recruiting thing that people and uh, because i already had that background interest um you know, the company asked me if I wanted to take a couple of tests and find out if I would be right for the business. Um, and so I went in and uh, uh, took their tests and, and like failed in spectacular fashion. Like basically, they, they, you know, by the, the manager said, you know, you, you know, I just don't think you'd be right for this kind of business. I don't know what he meant by that. But he said, you know, you're not going to be good at selling people. You're not going to be good at this. You're, he said, but you scored like off the charts on creativity. So I'm going to give you a shot. Yeah, I get it. Awesome. So, you know, like recently the banking crisis has happened. So what thoughts do you have for the same? So, I mean, I think there's been a lot of stuff in the news about, Mm -hmm. you know, SVB and like, there's been a lot of commentary, you know, about this by now. Like, um, uh, I think the, the, the last time we talked about this was sort of like, it was just getting going and, and people were sort of speculating on what was happening. Um, and there's been a lot of people have said stuff about, you know, uh, a whole bunch of different problems and what should have been done and what the bank did. And the interesting thing is like, I think the way that banks make money is really interesting. So like banks, they take on, and which is what S which was what uh, Silicon Valley bank did was they, they were taking in all these deposits from a lot of tech startups. Mm-hmm. Um, and and at, there was a, during a time when tech startups had a, when interest rates were much lower and when there was more investing going on in that sector that there's, you know, there's just companies that had, you know, these massive cash flows and they had to put them somewhere. So they was in Silicon Valley bank happened to be like the bank where they were putting all this money. And Mm -hmm. so they just, they had like massive deposit inflows. And during that time, like a lot of interest rates on bonds were, were very, very low. So you couldn't get, a lot of yield on investment. So for, for a bank, like a bank would normally take money in, lend it out to other people, try to collect interest on loans. Um, but in an interest rate environment where like bonds are paying almost 0% and US treasuries aren't at that time, we're not, now they're like, you know, it's like 5% or whatever. Before, like as they were growing, uh, interest rates were really low. I mean, you could barely get anything. So they were investing like all this money into um, into treasuries. And then, you know, I don't know if a lot of people realize this, but if you are holding uh, if you're holding whether it's treasuries or whether it's some other bond, 
as interest rates go up, the the principal on the bond, the value of that is going to go down if you have to sell it before it matures. Mm -hmm. So if you buy a bond for $100 and interest rates rise, your $100 bond is not worth $100 anymore. So if you have to sell it before it matures, you're going to get less than a hundred bucks. So that's just what essentially what happened to SVB. Like they just, they had a whole bunch of people wanting their money back all at once, which is, which is what a run on the bank is. And then they had the money, but it was if they had to sell their bonds early, which mm. they had to cash them out early to, you know, meet all the demand. So what thoughts do you have about the saving money, saving money or investing money? Where do I begin? <laughs> you know, I mean, no. There's I a, mean, there's a, I mean, there is a, both are the different things, you know, but I think, what yeah. do you prefer people should have both or just one? Both, both of, both what? No, I mean, like, should they be just considering the investing money or should they be just considering the saving money or just both, you know? It's sort of like, uh, I don't think it's one of those things where you choose one or the other. You can kind of think about it like saving, like when you're accumulating money, when you're actually saving money, you're, you're finding like a, basically like a, a place to to hold the money until you figure out what you want to do with it. Mm. Um, and then investing is when you have money, when you decide you want to invest money, then it's it's basically like you're you decide that you have money that you can afford to to risk and you you know invest it in something where you, you're gonna put it at risk, but you can might you might make some money, mm. um, but you might lose it. I grew up in a small, I grew up in a small farming town, a lot of dairy farms, a lot of like uh uh, cattle farms, stuff like that. So I can remember back when I lived uh, when I lived in that area. I moved out of that area more like uh, into the city. But um, I can remember like at one point like going out and visiting some of these farms because and it was kind of like where I lived. Like, a lot of people would go to like instead of going to the people would shop at grocery stores. But instead of going to the grocery store, like if you wanted to get meat and people had like these big chest freezers and everything, you lived out in like really rural areas. It was yeah. common for people to do to like they would go hunting or they would just go directly to the farmer and be like, I want to buy like half of a cow or I want to buy like, you know, chickens in bulk. Right. So then you uh -huh. put them in your freezer and you just have food. You just like have food in your freezer. I can remember my parents doing it, just go directly to the meat packing plant, just buy stuff and then had a big chest freezer. So, um, so I like, and when I was kind of looking around and shopping around at, at a farm, like when I was out on my own and, and had the opportunity to do that, um, I went to this one farm and, and, um, it was really cool because they were showing me around and they were showing me kind of like how the operation worked. And they said, they, you know, that the animals were the, the, like the cows were able to graze on grass out in the pasture. They had like an open, uh, they had like an open shelter where they could kind of go in and out. I mean, they lived, though. I mean, it was like a really luxurious life for a cow. I mean, it was a really luxurious life and uh, chickens, they were roaming around and, you know, like they had rabbits and stuff and all this, and they had all this different thing. So anyway, um, and they said, you know, it's really important that you treat the animals really well. You know, the farmer was telling me like, the animals should never know or never suspect that they're going to be processed because uh -huh. if they get nervous or something, it kind of, they, they were telling me like somehow it affects the, the meat quality and everything else. I, I have no idea, but this is, this is what the farmer was telling me. And, um, it's kind of like they just have no idea what's about to happen to them until uh, until it happens. And I feel like that's sort of like uh, in some ways or like a metaphor for what happens to a lot of investors. The, yeah. Their past experience, they're sort of like, I mean, maybe that sounds a little gruesome or whatever, but it's, their past experience is sort of like they invest money in the stock market or whatever real estate yeah. market. They sort of get accustomed to 
like the way the market works. They say, well, historically, you know, stocks have returned 10% or whatever. Real estate, I've always done really well in real estate. And they just assume like their past experience is indicative of what's going to happen in the future. And the reality is the past doesn't mean anything. Like your past no. experiences don't really mean anything because and the future is never predictable. Just like those farm animals, like they, there's no way they could have predicted what's going to happen to them. Most investors are kind of in the same, like as, as I said, again, it's like a metaphor. Like a lot of investors are in the same boat. Like they have no idea what's going to happen to them in the future. Some of them are going to be fine. A lot of them are going to be very surprised, I think, by what's going to happen in the next couple of years. You know, what, I'm sorry. What's, yeah, real estate investment is stable, you know, like. Stock market it is risky. No, it, I think it is as comparison to the this capital market, you know, where mm -hmm. we buy stocks or where we buy, we, we may do forex or maybe do yep. crypto, whatever the things are. This is high volatility is there. Extremely high volatility. Like stocks are risky, real estate's risky, but even individual bond, like that's the story of SVB, right? Even bonds can, even, even investing in US treasuries can be risky under the right circumstances. Like if you need money right now, you don't want to own a 30 year bond. You just, because if you need the money, you're going to sell it for a loss. Mm -hmm. So uh, a lot of it, when people are looking for savings, they said, well, I'm just gonna put it in a savings account, yeah. assuming that, that there's no run on the bank, right? Then you'll be okay. Um, so what a lot of people have done, and one of the things that people, one of the places that people put money, uh, in fact, banks put money there and, um, very wealthy, even people like, um, uh, like, like, uh, billionaires, uh, Michael Milken is a, is a classic, is, a, is like a, a high profile example is Michael Milken's family. They put a lot of money into whole life insurance. Yeah. And it doesn't sound like a very... I don't know, glamorous product because it, it sounds boring. It's like life insurance. It's very boring. And that's kind of the appeal to it. It is boring and boring in a sense of like, it doesn't attract a lot of attention. It doesn't attract the attention of like taxing authorities, of regulators. Of, and so it's a very quiet place to put money and it's guaranteed against loss. And you get a competitive rich, something that's competitive to like fixed interest, um, but it pay, tends to pay a little more. Um, and it's guaranteed to grow every single year, which is why banks and a lot of wealthy people really like to put their money there. And not just wealthy people, like a lot of people who are uh, younger folks are kind of knowledgeable about that kind of thing. It was like their dad had a policy. And so he's like kind of kind of pass it down to the family, like the knowledge of hey, this is what you do with your money. Um, that's yeah. where people that's where people put their safe money. That's where a lot of people are putting their safe money. Gotcha. So any best advice do you have for anyone who is making the financial decisions or self-financing the business? Any best advice do you have for anyone? Uh, self-finance for self-financing a business. Uh, I mean, a lot of people, the way in the, if you go back to like the 1970s and 1980s, people used to do it with something called like passbook savings accounts. Yeah. You would put money in a savings account. Then you'd borrow money against your savings account. You could leave your money invested. So it would still earn interest, but you also got the money that you needed. Those aren't really that popular today. They, it's really difficult to find something like that. Banks, right? interest, so, are real. Banks interest are as low as low. it's real low. <laughs> yeah. So, so what people do, so, so something that has existed for um, uh, almost 200 years, yeah. again, whole life insurance. So you building up credit, it basically you can build up a, a capital and savings inside a, and inside a life insurance policy. And you can use that to finance 
Um, you can use that to finance a, a startup of a business or business growth, business expansion. Um, and it works just like any other loan, except for the fact that you own the policy as opposed to you going to like a bank or something. You just go to the insurance company and say, hey, I want, I need some money. Uh, the loan is backed up by your existing capital that's already built up inside the policy. So you own a million dollar policy. If it's, if the ca- whatever the cash value inside the policy is, that's how much you can borrow against. And it works just like an equity line of credit. You can access it. Uh, interest is accumulates uh, on the, just like a normal loan, except for the fact that when you pay them back, you are paying back principal before you pay interest on the loan. So it's actually works out to be a very low cost, probably one of the lowest cost loans you could get as a business owner, um, cheaper than any other line of credit that you would get. Um, and it's something that you actually own as opposed to you having to fill out credit applications, go use the bank's money or go use uh, venture capital or somebody else's money. Get it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, David, for getting into the show yeah. and Thanks having these thoughts of yours about financial planning and budgeting and self-financing in business. So yeah, thank you so much for having on. Yeah, thanks, thanks for having me.